0: Hi, I'm Stephanie J. Block. And
1: I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to
0: season three of Stages Podcast, where we continue to bring creation and connection to center stage. Hi, all. So, for this episode, we get to speak with Michaela Diamond, who opens up her spirit and her soul. She does speak about some complicated relationships with food. It's a nice chunk of our interview. So, if you don't have the headspace and the heart space to listen to that now, please go ahead and wait until you're ready. If not, please enjoy Michaela Diamond.
1: Wait, I have to ask, is your mother from Boston? Yes. I knew it. I heard that accent and I was like, it's that so woman's thick. a Boston lady. <laughs> it's thick, Mary Lee. Oh, I heard it. She said not. And I was like, not. not. She's from Boston. <laughs> I wanna
0: N-A-W-T. Meet her. N-A-W-T, not. Yeah, it's exactly. not like that. <laughs> So funny. Trust home. Home. Where you are now. She is an old soul with a new style who wears black and speaks her mind. So powerful, she leaves her prints on everyone she touches because she is both a savage and a sweetheart. That's by S. McNutt. And I use poetry because our guest today truly is poetry. I remember vividly growing up singing and having people always comment, she's so excellent for her age. And I took a bit of offense to the, in quotes, for her age part because I just wanted to be excellent. Later in my life and in my life experiences, I would witness excellent talent, and then my inner voice would whisper, for their age. But then there is Michaela, and she was comfortable in her skin. She was open for whatever came her way from whomever it came from. She was prepared, and she was playful. And she is special, so very, very special. Anyone lucky enough to watch her work or create or embody or interpret or listen to her sing, they understand that she's a star, like a Barbara, like Eliza, and soon there will be like a Michaela on everyone's lips. She's family to me. Vivi calls her sister. I call her remarkable. Please welcome to the podcast, Michaela Diamond. Michaela, Diamond, to stage, please. Michaela, please come to stage. Oh my God, Steph, uh, it's real. It's truth. It's truth, <laughs> little mama. So special. I want to dive in right away. Tell me what you were doing when you were thirteen. What did What did your life look like when you were thirteen years old?
2: Oh my gosh, my life had just been turned upside down. Oh. I actually moved to New York the year before. Um, I think to this day, it might have been the year I was most depressed in my life, not to jump right in. But um, yeah, I remember I went to um, middle school at one year at uh, this place called Wagner. And then the next year at PPAS, which was a kind of more of a musical theater school. And my mom and I had just moved, just us. And we lived in this tiny two bedroom with roommates because we kind of couldn't afford to live alone at the time and thought that could be a way to save some money. And we lived on Roosevelt Island, which if you're yeah. a New Yorker, you know that that's kind yeah. of this weird sacred ground. It's in the middle of the Manhattan Island and the Queens Island. And you can only take either a tram to get there, which goes yeah. over the water or the F train. And it that's the only train that stops there. And so it kind of felt fairy y Like, why are we living on this island? It was so strange. Um, and I remember when my mom was like, should we just move to New York? Because I had done a show the the summer before and kind of loved it and was auditioning a lot and we were traveling. And I was like, yes, let's go, let's go. And then once we got here, I hated it. Uh-huh. And she was unemployed and I didn't want to audition anymore. So we had lifted up our lives um and got here and then i didn't want to do any of the things that we moved here to do and i can i think back to this year and really feel so grateful for my mom because she was just like it's fine don't audition like she did not mm. care at all she was like don't do it no worries she was unemployed for a year found a job she actually liked she's still with that job today wow but that was such a transitional year for me. And, um, but there was no blame. There was no resentment. No, there was ex- no Michaela. Are you kidding
0: me? We just did all of this uprooted our lives for what?
2: No. And that was wow. the start of a very normal pattern between my mom and I, in which, you know, things in my life would come. For instance, like I got a full ride to Carnegie Mellon that could have changed our lives, not having to pay for college, doing the thing I wanted to do at the top school in the country and, sh- and then booked share just a lab, not the contract. Like only one month I was not going to go to school for. And she was like, perfect, amazing. Like, I can't wait for you to still live with me and not leave. There's yeah. always just been this like, yes, and what's next? And it didn't mm-hmm. matter. And it was okay. And it was okay that I was sad. And it got better once I went to high school. And, you know, she's she's kind of that hippie, it's going to be okay the
1: question that I wrote down for you was, that it was about courage. When I was looking into you online and I was seeing how curious you were, right? You were so curious about cooking, curious about women's studies, curious about psychology, curious, curious. And I mean, to me, curiosity is super powerful, right? Because mm-hmm. when you have the courage to dive into novel experiences, it teaches you how to see the world in a different way, right? And it's even proven that curiosity keeps you healthy, like physically healthy. It decreases high blood pressure and diabetes. It reduces dementia. Like all of these things is are, are really positive and related to curiosity. And so curious people, they are their innovators. They frame failure as a positive thing. And so I was wondering where you got that from. And I see you got it from your mom. Ding, so your ding, mom's ding, just ding, she's ding. not afraid at all to, <laughs> to just have the faith to say, well this is in front of us we're going to go for this and if and if it turns out to be something that we consider a mistake or a failure, all right that doesn't matter we'll learn and move on. Right. Where where did she get it from?
2: That's a great question and not to make this whole podcast about my mother. <laughs> <laughs> but she's be. so she's so worthy of it, guys. Um Mama Diamond she is she is so brave. I've always thought that. I mean there's so many stories I could talk about. One that really comes to mind. And as I tell this, I'll try and think about where she gets it from. But she was, she like took a um, trip to Florida when she was pregnant and she was pretty deep in. And um, it was like for this big family wedding that was happening there. She went on this like, It was like a swimming pool, but kind of a whirlpool situation or whatever. And she knew immediately when she got in the water, something happened. Mm. And um, she went immediately to the hospital. And she had miscarried and had to get an abortion to, Mm. you know, make sure she didn't die. Mm. And the next day, she went to the wedding. And I always found that a remarkable fact. I was like, why didn't you—why did you go to the wedding? How could you go to the wedding? I mean, not only were you in pain— Physically and emotionally, like, why'd you go? And she kind of was just like, not only did I feel really supported by these people that I was going to the wedding with, but I wasn't ashamed of it. She didn't feel shame about that part of her, you know, journey. And she was old at this point, she was 40. She had me when she was 41. She calls that baby Max, but it really was this like moment where she was like, no, like, if this, my, if my body could not handle this, like I'm going to go and like be loved at this wedding and feel the love from, you know, her her husband at the time and the family there. And I always found that to be like such a example of who she is. Like there's not the shame that comes with sometimes our failures. And I think she grew up in a time when the 60s and 70s, when, like, there was this kind of new rebellion against wars and queerness, like, so many things. And she kind of took that and ran with it. She was one of, like, her only friends who got out of Massachusetts and New Hampshire and, like went to California. She traveled the world in her 30s. She had a love affair with a woman. Like there's so many kind of beautiful examples of her just like rebelling. Embracing against- the present. Yeah. It really embracing, her own- embracing the and present. And yeah. own path. saying, I Yeah, exactly. Well, and but- I still kind of feel like I have that. She really did give that to me. Wow.
0: That's remarkable. And I need to learn that lesson from Mama Diamond because I immediately started to cry when you told me, about her life experience and the loss of a child and having to have that abortion to keep her healthy, but then her willingness and sort of open spirit to say, okay, but this is what tomorrow is. It's a healing for me. It's a celebration Mm -hmm. for this couple. It's a new beginning in different ways that maybe I didn't foresee, but I'm going to embrace. Sometimes you just have to start fresh and and let it tell you what it's going to be.
2: It's funny it's that you say, like, thing. sometimes you just have to let it, because I am the same way. I'm always like, what should I have taken from this experience? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she, like, doesn't ask herself that question as much as I do. And I think it's amazing. I think that her ability to just, like, move, move forward. Yeah. And it's funny, she did. She, she, she like, kind of made this, like, claim over the past few years. She used to always say the phrase, um, everything happens for a reason.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then over the past few years, she was like, okay, I don't think everything happens for a reason anymore. I don't think that's true. I, I think somewhere in me that is the, you know, the essence of that statement is true. But with all of the kind of things that she was awakened to in the past few years, she was like, I, I, I just can't believe that anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, both of those things are true. Like yeah. you you can experience something and be like, that was meant for me. And also be like, and it's unfair.
0: There's a a quote that I just uh, read. And again, I'm going to paraphrase, but it is our greatest freedom is how we respond to what happens to us. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I think it boils down to expectations. When we pile too many expectations on an experience or a timeline, something that we want, how it's going to make us feel once we get it, all these Mm -hmm. expectations that we pile on things, that's where you go wrong. I I feel like It's easier to learn to desire without expectation.
0: Just do the doing.
1: Just do the doing, Mm -hmm. and however it comes to you, it comes to you. Because if you label it, it diminishes what does come to you. Because you're still looking for something else Mm -hmm. in the process, and you're not grateful for what just came.
0: Well, we can certainly both she and I I think can certainly speak to the expectations of the share show. How that looked very different than, and some of it was far better than what I ever, ever imagined. And some of it was like shocking with how impressionable I was in ways that hurt me. Does that make sense? They weren't necessarily hurtful, but it just hit me in a place that happened to affect me at that time and date and where Mm. I was in a real hurtful way. But after the share show, I remember having a conversation with you, Mick, and you were like, much like when you were 13, I don't think (laughs) this is for me. I don't think this is the life for me, right? And I am now going to learn culinary. I'm going to be creative and artistic through the
2: culinary arts. Yeah, it's so funny. So much time has passed since then. And I've been thinking back a lot to that time because- All of a sudden, I've been so anxious the past few weeks because I'm starting again. And it feels like I'm diving into like a pool that I'm not sure I can still swim in. Man, it did, it was amazing, I would say. Like that's, it, it, and it was impressionable too. I think that whole time in my life was like, not only was I like growing up very quickly, there was a lot of pressure on me and I couldn't figure out if the relationship I had to myself, more specifically, my body was the relationship I wanted to have for the rest of my life. Because of
0: the pressures that show business puts
2: on actors. To be fair, the pressures that show business put on me, yes. The patriarchy, yes. And also myself. Mm -hmm. No one ever, just to put the record clear no one ever said you need to lose weight no no one said that to me did i use the share show as an excuse to be like i'm going to be really small now yes mm-hmm. did it just like take over 90% of my brain space yes mm-hmm. and i think it just caused me to have so much anxiety and i remember about halfway through the run probably like 3 or 4 months in i was over it i was like mm-hmm. um I'm done. Like, this is so much work to keep my body this small. And like, I don't think I want to do the work that work anymore. Mm -hmm. I think there's more important work that I should do as a woman Mm -hmm. (laughs) besides like do what everybody expects us to do. And I think my relationship to food in particular, because I did love to cook was becoming strained in a way that I didn't want. And I would see older women, not really in our cast. They had like a beautiful kind of, they all had families and like lives of their own, but I did see other older women who thought the same way about it as me. And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. I cannot be 40 years old thinking about th- it. Like I do now. Right. Like how I consume
0: become. so much of your space and it energy.
2: Consumes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so culinary school to me, I'm not sure at the time I consciously knew this also articulately, but I think I really wanted to go to culinary school to break down the rules that I had about food to like courageously be like, I am scared of food right now.
0: So let's unlearn. I'm going to go to school to unlearn
2: exactly wow. if i go every single day and have to eat five cuts of meat meat and pasta and and pizza and figure out how to make dough and bread and i'm going to have to confront some of these fears mm-hmm. and literally learn that if i have pizza i will not Blow up and forever blow up and blow up and blow up. Like our bodies are meant to have food and
0: nutrients and fruit. yes. Do you think that this conversation between and the the relationship you had with food would have looked different if your debut was musical, the musical? But because you were going to be compared to this singular, otherworldly type figure, as we know as Cher that that was informing what you had to do in the moment.
1: And not to mention the costumes. Well, the sure. costumes were teeny tiny, right? Yes, so, yes. Of course. Yeah.
0: Do you yeah, think that would have looked did. different or do you think you still would have put those pressures on you because it was Michaela's Broadway debut and you wanted to enter the scene looking and appearing in a certain way?
2: Uh, no, I think it was the show and mm-hmm. the costumes and her mm-hmm. and looking at her tiny ass body for mm-hmm. a year straight, you know, doing research and stuff. I will say that I'm really glad it happened early in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I don't have to do that when I'm 28 and learn all of it then. Like I do, I have to say, like I feel so, so lucky that I was able to be like, here's this thing. I don't like really bring my relationship to my body. I'm going to go fix it. And now I have literally like so much more brain space to like be the human I actually want to become. Mm -hmm. And if that had happened later, I probably would have been even more thrown off. My identity would have been very confused because at that time I was forming my identity anyway. So it didn't feel so crushing to me. So many of my friends in college were going through it in like such extreme ways, watching them, unfortunately. The only reason I never fell off the, you know, fully eating wagon, like I don't, you know, how disordered do your, your thoughts have to be for you to have an eating disorder? I'm not sure. But I, the only reason I wouldn't say I ever became anorexic was because the only thing I loved more was than my small body was acting, mm. which is hard. But at the time it was true. Like I knew that if I didn't eat, I wouldn't be present on stage. And so I kept eating despite wanting to be small. So, you know, yes, I think it was because of Cher. Yes, my costumes were absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to feel like I was acting my best, but we also were not doing a movie. We were not like musical theater is heightened. And I've had this argument with certain actors of like, do we have to transform into these people we're becoming? And unfortunately, we are just not being paid enough to like literally make our bodies as big or as small as the people we are playing. Like it has nothing to do with it. It doesn't fucking matter.
0: We did share for well over two years when you're thinking about the Mm -hmm. workshop and Chicago and Broadway, that is not sustainable. It is not healthy. And I will say, I, I don't know if I define it as a disorder, but there certainly was a relationship that caused friction in my life You know, I've always been uh, one to look in the mirror and not necessarily be pleased with what I see. My voice inside was, you've got to be a mom. You have to have energy. You cannot do these things to yourself because at that time I had a four and a five, well, three, four and five-year-old watching me. And I refuse to inform her relationship with her body because Mm -hmm. of what she sees me doing with Mm -hmm. my body. But did everything change for me? Was I doing Pilates three times a week? Yes. Would I make sure that two out of my three meals were juices as opposed to actual food? Yes. Will I ever do that again? No. For my lifestyle, I could not subtract three hours a day from my family, my child, and and the things that I truly enjoyed doing. Well, it's really interesting
1: because I, I just had the conversations very similar to this with Bonnie. With Bonnie. She said something It just stuck with me. It'll never leave my mind. She said, as women took power in their life and in the world, society demanded that we get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller to do so.
2: Mm. Just a
1: fascinating observation by her. And it rang really, really true to me. But then I look at Emma Thompson, who's out there right now going, there is not another day in my life that I'm going to feel bad about the way I look. I'm going to eat it if I want to eat it. As long as I'm healthy, I don't care. If you don't like the way I look, don't look. And I love her. Like, I just think she's she is taking aging and saying, I'm going to do it the way I, my body needs to do it in a healthy, happy way, period. And if you don't like it, I don't care.
2: I, don't I love her too. Oh, I she think that also... Stuff like you've known this for a long time, but I want to be a mom more than anything in the world, more than any award, more than any anything. And so I knew that too, in a way, like that was my kind of battle. Once when I'm having a kid, I don't want ever her body to be informed by the way I treat food myself or mm-hmm. I'm scared of it because mm-hmm. then they will be. And I have to say that culinary school really did work for me. I fell madly in love with food and I still am like, and it has changed my life. I don't want to be a chef, but I do host supper clubs and invite all of my artist friends so we can have these kind of beautiful salons. And I've just made my world bigger. And I put brain space where I want to put it instead of... You
1: took control of these feelings Mm -hmm. that were starting to spiral out of control. And you said, how can I control this? And you found a super healthy, curious way.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, Your
1: curiosity informed it and healed what could have been a really challenging time in your life.
0: Yeah, she exactly. even created a love relationship right. with it. Do you happen to have one of your poems around that you could possibly share? When Michaela cooks, she also will create in words. Do you have anything that you feel comfortable sharing yep. with our listeners?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, I have literally hundreds on my phone. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's such a
1: cool thing. That's Michaela's a book right, the coolest. right there. Coolest. That like, is a cookbook, It's a cookbook. I look.
2: I have wanted to make a cookbook of poems and recipes for oh my god, and I want the subline to be coffee table cookbook because it's so perfect. I just love it. Perfect. Do you want me to read the first one I ever wrote? This was January third, twenty eighteen. Oversalted. I tend to oversalt things. I've always thought this is because I cry so much and crave salt to come back into my bones, into my bloodstream. I'm scared some days of the sodium buildup and other days I am not scared. I am hungry for the ocean, for the warmth of salted room temperature water coming out of my own being, for the feeling that of that hard crying that makes little red dots appear around your eyes so you have to look a little harder to recognize yourself the next morning, for the feeling of knowing that you'll fill back up one day and then cry some more. The comfort of cooking a roast chicken is this knowing, the knowing that you cannot oversalt a roast chicken. Every bone and piece of skin will be grateful. A roast chicken allows for plenty of time to cry, allow it to soak in, allow it to be room temperature before putting it in the oven and then rest it well.
0: Oh my God. Holy crap. That's amazing. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Like she's brilliant, not for her age. She is brilliant. That's amazing. I used to teach yoga
1: classes, and I used to talk about the connection between the earth and the body, our human bodies. And one of the ways that we're connected is in the second chakra, which is it's water. The element is water, Mm -hmm. and the same salt to water ratio that's found in a teardrop is found in a drop
2: of ocean water. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? So good.
1: Um, Michaela, can I ask you about your father? Is that okay to ask about? Yeah, of course. I know you talk Um, a lot about how it was sort of you and your mom, you know, against the world kind
2: of thing. Where was your father figure in your life? Well, it's funny. The the early part of my life, my dad was by far like my favorite parent, all the things. Um, And he was such a great dad. When I was younger, so playful and... um, he's the theatrical one out of my, my parents. I think I get a lot of my like extroverted um, hosting kind of things from my dad, but my parents got a divorce when I was young. I was like six or seven when they separated and I did it every weekend at his place and then back to my mom's. And then when I moved to New York, he didn't come with, which I think my mom took that harder than me because my mom was like, what? She's just not going to have a, father figure now close by. And I kind of was like, I understand though, because that's home, you know, (laughs) it's like, we're going to move here and he's going to stay there. Um, but the kind of older I got, the harder it was to connect. When you get older, you figure out why your parents got a divorce in the first place for one. And my dad is a gambler. And so I had a lot of resentment, slowly build In this strange way, because it wasn't happening now, you know, he wasn't taking our family's money now. Right. Mm -hmm. But the more I got older, the more I kind of understood what was happening back then. And I'd kind of ask desperately to understand it. Where does it come from? Why do you think you do this? Why are you ashamed of it? Mm. And he is not necessarily the most reflective, therapized person. I am that person (laughs) who who loves that kind of language. Mm. Um, And I think the older I got, the more I was like, I don't necessarily think this is ever, like the things I want from him are not necessarily going to come back my way. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. Like Mm -hmm. I can still appreciate him um, and love him, especially for my childhood and he supports me and loves me so much and sees all my shows without there necessarily being this apology, perhaps is the word, is the simple word for it. But yeah, it's funny the way, you know, I have made so many choices about him, about our relationship. and they confuse the shit out of me. And I don't, I've kind of given in to this feeling of not knowing what our relationship will look like in a few years or in 10 years or, you know, when somebody passes, which is something I think about a lot. I will say one of my favorite moments we've ever had, I don't even know if you remember this. I could cry thinking about it right now. We had like just opened share, and I had the next day after we opened, I had was my audition for a parade, which is crazy because that's come very full circle and now I am doing it, <laughs> but that I had an audition and I pretty much sang the material and, and then left. And then they were like, okay, you're starting in a week. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. I like I had just started eight times a week and now I'm doing double duty. It was crazy. And then day we started on like a Tuesday, I think. And that On Sunday, the day before our day off, I went to you and I was like, my dad had a heart attack. And I was just like, not, I'm not close with my dad. So I didn't know how to feel about it. And he was okay. And my, his brother was with him, but I really was so confused. I was just like do I go see him? I'm not going to call out. So like I could go tomorrow, but then I don't want to get sick for parade. And this is such a huge week for me and traveling on the freaking Greyhound bus is not going to be ideal for anything. Mm-hmm. And I literally, we were like about to enter, I think for like a scene, I think we were at intermission and we were about to enter for the top of act two. And you were like, you were like, take a car, like, take my, you, you scheduled a car for me to go all the way to Atlantic city hospital and visit him, see him, and then take the car all the way back to New York. And you were, and I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's crazy. And you were like, it's already done. Like paid for fine. Like you're going, you're getting in the car tomorrow morning. And I just like almost wept. Like I couldn't, believe it. Cause I think you saw that. I just like, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know, I was so confused and my life blew up within that week. And I think, you know, it's hard sometimes when like you get the snapshot of your dream and it's like, oh, I almost forgot about my family. And, and, you know, family is a tricky word. Like I'm an only child my mom and i are really my family and of course he he is a, literally a part of that but in that moment i was like who do i want to give my time to who deserves to have my time who deserves for me to travel it is a question you know it's always been a question for me it's never been family first it's been my mom and i first like everyone else is a question mark and i get to decide when i want to give them my time and i had no idea what to do and you just made the decision for me and i will never be able to repay you for that moment. I really was so, so grateful.
0: Oh, thank you. For I almost forgot about any of that. <laughs> as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, I do remember it. I remember yeah. it clearly. When you
1: said the decision of how much of yourself other people deserve and earn. deserve What a know? word. That yeah. is a really interesting thing to hear coming out of someone so young. Yeah. Um, it took me to get into my 50 before I realized the value of my energy. My energy holds value. And I had a relationship with someone who I was very close with for a long period of time, mostly in raising children together. But this person took a lot, took a lot, took a lot. And I just kept giving and giving and giving and giving, hoping to get the thing that I desired in return, which never really truly came. And the relationship hasn't dissolved, but I've definitely put up boundaries and, and separated myself. And I remember going to bed And asking myself over and over and over, what role did I play in this? What do I need to learn? What do I need to learn? Because I didn't want to repeat it. And I woke up literally hearing a whisper in my ear and it said, just because someone takes everything you give doesn't mean they received it with the value that you had intended. It was just free crap. It was just free. Who doesn't take free stuff? That's right. And I went, my energy is not free. It's not free. And that was a massive lesson. And wow. I was in my 50s when I learned that lesson. So the fact that you seem to have a grip on that lesson in your 20s is it's remarkable remarkable, and really, really powerful for you.
0: Seth crystallized something for me, too. And he said, look, there are so many people that love you, Stephanie, and so few that know how to love you because we all receive it differently. Like I can look at people and go, my God, they do. They love me so much. And yet it's not the way in which you just said, I am able to actually see it, feel it, absorb it because their way of loving is significantly different than the way I love, right? Love looks different to different people. So, let's just take, um, I love you so much, but I vote this way. Well, then guess what? You're not loving me in the way I need you to love me because you are showing your love by actively working against who I am, what I believe and who I love.
1: Such tricky waters though, because from their perspective, they're thinking the same way. And then all of a sudden it's us and them and you and against, it's so difficult.
0: But that word deserve holds that. When, I think when you right. said, who deserves, who deserves my time, my energy, my love, that becomes very personal and you can choose.
1: And so, you can still care for people who may not deserve certainly. your love. You can still wish them the very, very best. You cannot wish them harm or unhappiness, nope. Nope. but they just don't get to have a piece of your energy that's right. access the way they once had the access. And that's that's, right. that was very empowering to me when I... Finally internalize that in my life.
0: Do you feel it's, you're able to be in this industry, Mick, and be able to do that?
2: God, that's a hard question. I think that part of what I learn, I'm learn i learning a little bit is that sometimes it's not even about the piece you're working on. It's about the people that are in it. Like that makes up so much of the experience. And if you can find a few people to be there for you, who kind of like give you more to give out, you know? Cause that's, I think part of it, right? Is this like, who deserves it? Well, it's like, well, am I filled up enough to like decide? It's funny hearing you guys talk about it. The way I think about it is I'm thinking like myself. I say that all the time. It's like, it's this idea that we look at others and we're like, why aren't you doing that thing? Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking like myself, Mm-hmm. Of course, they're not they're not doing it the way I would because mm-hmm. they're thinking like that thinking like yeah. them. And that's that's like a less, you know, political. That's just like a daily kind of <laughs> thing right. is like I'm thinking like myself and it's OK and they can think like them. But I think when I'm in a process, I have to just be open to kind of let each moment mean something similar, uh, like uh, stakes wise, like having a date with my boyfriend can mean as much as our first preview if I let it. You know, that idea, it's like it's hard to articulate, but I think that's kind of how I'm going to try and enter this next round. So you're managing the value of each interaction and each moment.
1: Right, so why should this hold even more than than a date with my boyfriend?
2: Yeah, when exactly. I, it's my choice to give it the value. It and is. yeah, it like may like. Of course, there are going to be moments that feel bigger than others. But I think if I hold them all at the same um, worthiness level, mm-hmm. the ang- the anxiety I feel about the one that maybe is bigger than the date will actually start to come down. Um, so that I can breathe and live my life, Yeah, but I'm scared. I mean, gosh, it's just like literally every time I'm like, do I remember? Am I mm-hmm. going to be okay every day? I'm like, oh God,
0: am I going to be okay? <laughs> well, that's a, a, <laughs> mighty <big question. laughs> a mighty big question. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about love. How do you define love? Michaela? What does love look like to you?
2: I think love is safety, feeling really safe. And I think love is equal parts making yourself, like making each other better people, making yourself a better person while knowing that you are exactly kind of where you're meant to be. It's funny that I explained it both in individual terms and in relationship terms. Like I do think of love as such a deposit system in a, like, if I give love, I will receive some. But I, but I also think there's something like bigger, like the other definition would be like the bigger version of love. Like the love that I feel for at city center when we did parade and we like bowed for the first time. The room was love. Everyone's heart is open at the same time and vulnerable. And I think that's love to me, too. That's why I host dinners, because, like, I love when people just let their hearts be open. That's love to me.
0: You mentioned you're about to embark on Parade, which is coming to Broadway, thrilling, in 2023. Do you visualize or do you have a way of already protecting yourself from those really high highs and those really low lows? Because this is this is big what's about to happen.
2: Yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot. I'm like, what are some tools in my toolbox that I can like get to the top of them so I don't have to dig in mm-hmm. the toolbox while it's happening when it's, when it's overwhelming? I know for myself, there are like small things that will help me come back to myself. One being like cooking that's like a big one. If I spend like six hours in the kitchen on my day off, I'm going to be like a new woman. I think another, unfortunately, is being really aware of my social media consuming how much, how much I'm consuming, because I think the more I hear the noise, whether it's good or bad, because it's inevitable that we will hear noise. And then, you have to let it go out the other ear by the time you put your head on the pillow. And I think whether that's a kind of like five minute movement in stillness, like sitting like purposefully still and, you know, letting the day kind of go Or if it's, you know, turning my humidifier every uh, on every night, like just the action can be like, okay, and now I'm going into sleep the next day, like small actions like that. Mm -hmm. These are all literally the things I've been thinking about just the past few days. There's something so beautiful about the beginning of something because you don't really know yet, you know, and there's also this like really great feeling of we did it at city center and it was really well received and you know, whether that happens again on Broadway or not, like people will be moved and affected by this show. And I hold this like beautiful responsibility playing this role as like the heart of the story Mm. to like, not only give my heart to the audience every night, but to like protect my, my, protect it for all the shows to come. That's right. I think it's really important and you're really good at that, Stephanie, like knowing when like you need to rest in order to like give again the right way. Right. And I think going in to this round compared to share, like, I just have less ego about the not calling out. Like I didn't ever call out and share. It's like, you did not. And it was great. Like I did it. Like guys, I, I don't have to call out. Okay. Everybody knows. And now I'm like, I'm going to call out, like, I'm going to call out when I need to call out and I'm going to rest when I need to rest. And, um, you know, there's this thing that happened in city center that really was telling for me, but I forgot the words to do it alone. I like messed up the verses. I like sang the second verse first, and then had to find my way back onto the like pre-chorus thing. And I was like, you know, it's one of those, like, Heart wrenching oh, moment. It's no. not like a fun mess up. It No, was we like call a, it the white room. Fuck. Everything yeah, goes white, white
0: and you lose your footing. And you're like you're just floating in this nothingness when horrible that happens. Oh,
2: and the white room for me either happens for two reasons: one, I'm zoning out because I'm bored, or two, it's because I have dropped into the material mm. so much that I am present to the point where I. I don't have the muscle memory yet You've to lost fund yeah. the next, the next yeah. line. Yep, yeah. Yeah. And that's what happened when I did it at city center. I, I think it was just the fourth show. I finally was feeling comfortable. So I dropped right into the material, felt more present than ever. And then went up and I was so upset. I was so mad at myself, you know, literally Jason Robert Brown's behind me, like trying to tell me the word, you know, it's humiliating. It's, as an actor, there's just kind of nothing worse. And I remember being off stage and I was like, "Oh my god, i I can see the choices in front of me. Like I either I can be really upset for the rest of the show and after and be mad at myself. or I can be like, I dropped into the material. Mm-hmm. That's kind of beautiful, too. Mm-hmm. I was able to, like fully inhabit this woman who I've been trying to inhabit, like this has been the goal. We had 10 days of rehearsal. Like, so what? You went up, you got back on, you know? And that kind of twofold to come, to bring the conversation kind of full circle about my mom too. It's like that twofold of like failure, yes, sucks. And it's so horrible. It makes you feel like shit and it gives you anxiety and it's not fun. But there is kind of always positive thing that comes from it. I was being the best actor I could be in that moment. And that, unfortunately for the audience and for my scene partner, who was probably nervous at that moment, is scary and for me, but it's also beautiful. And like, if I can lean into some of these moments where like, I feel pressure and don't live up to the, what I wanted to happen in my head every night or whatever, expectation, expectation, expectation. Yeah. I yeah. will be okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Do you meditate Michaela? Cause you seem like someone who does.
2: I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't really, I, I go through phases. Yeah. I haven't yes. in a long time, but I do feel like my workouts a lot are kind of meditative. Like I try and be really present. Think about what's coming up while I'm, why am I upset now? Why am I annoyed that it's not mm. over yet? You know, mm. I just kind of. I, yeah. I do ask myself those kind of meditative questions a lot, but I am not in a, in a phase right now of doing it every morning like I used to.
0: All right, we've arrived at the five questions. If you were arrested, right, we call Mama Diamond, we're like, mm, Michaela's in prison. What would she assume you have done to land yourself in jail?
2: Too many shrooms. <laughs> <laughs>
0: says the cheshire cat too many shrooms (laughs) now i know why you like cooking
1: so much (laughs) okay i look forward to our dinner love it (laughs) all right we walk into your closet what is in there that you will never let go of
2: this gorgeous suit like full suit. But also, my second choice for this question would be Stephanie. I don't know if you remember this, still have it in a box in my closet. We'll never I try it on maybe five times a year. It's this gorgeous, I think Armani. Oh, maybe? it is. It's Armani Tune Black top. Label. Yeah. With a zip, sparkles, gorgeous, fits me like a freaking glove, baby. Oh, and it was man. Stephanie's hand-me-down.
0: I used to. Back in the day, oh my God! Yes, it's it's a gorgeous piece. It will soon become vintage, which will make it more delicious. But she looks <laughs> remarkable in it, and I couldn't even—I mean, it wouldn't fit around my thigh at this <laughs> part of my life. Okay, if you could have a a special power, worldly, otherworldly, what would that be?
2: I think to have like a crazy food palate tongue. Oh, where like I can like taste everything. Like I could taste what butter is more expensive. Like I don't have that.
1: <laughs>
2: Do you know what I mean? Does
1: anybody yeah. have that? Do people actually? Yes.
2: That? I mean, there are some oh. chefs in the world who like have amazing tongues who like that's why they're good because they can like taste different combinations of food that are amazing that w- we would not think of normal muggles. Oh, wow.
1: If you could
2: go to any era, what would it be? I think the the fifties, maybe the Rogers and Hammerstein era, I just would have been so good. I would have been a star.
0: Yes, you would have.
2: <laughs> oh. You already are. Yeah, but like but, my okay. voice, like it sits right, like it's all low. There's no really belting. It's all like mixy and beautiful. And like the music was so cool. I, yeah, it would have been good.
0: If you were nail polished color, what would it be? And what's the cheeky little name for that nail polished color?
2: god i wish i thought i had so much time for this because it's so good uh, i like think about the people who make these names for like nail polishes and lipsticks and i'm like i want to be you i think i would do a light pink that's almost has some sheen to it mm-hmm. mm. and i would call it slippery slope yes you would oh, <laughs> I like that.
0: so clever mm-hmm. is that good Now I'm thinking like of the 1950s sort of cute pink slip. Nice. So good. You're a wonder, Lucille. You're a wonder.
1: (laughs) Before we let you go, there's something I want to share.
0: Okay. I so I
1: just learned about this new book, and it's called The Exquisite Risk. Mm. And this doctor was talking about how he uses something from this book as a diagnostic tool when he's trying to figure out what's going on with someone. In the book, it says that there are a lot of indigenous American tribes that would use this to help a member of their community when they couldn't figure out, you know, what was going on with them. They would ask them four questions. Hmm. When was the last time you sang? When was the last time you danced? When was the last time you told your story? And when was the last time you listened to another's? Oh, and I thought we do three out of the four on this podcast almost every week, right? We do. We always sing a little something. Yes, we're always telling our own stories, and we're really listening to other stories. And the only thing that we don't do is dance. Yeah. So I think we should dance it out, girls. Dance it out. Let's dance. All right. So.
0: yeah right
1: i think we need to dance it out at the end of every show from oh, now on i think that's so great Isn't that beautiful yes i oh, love no. you all very very much Michaela, thank, you, thank, you, thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you i love thank you. you thank you love
0: and now here's what struck a chord with us So this human, I just, I, I love her. I loved her from the second I met her because I truly have not been in a workspace or a rehearsal space. No, that's a fib. The only other person, the only other person, Anna Lee Ashford, I met her when she was 19 as well. And I stood back and went, whoa, how does this human have all this sort of, uh, Awareness and yet still open for Uh direction and flexible and playfulness and takes all the notes is consistent with every performance. There was a maturity there. I learned from Michaela on the daily.
1: You know what I loved? I loved how she is so self aware that she saw something unhealthy heading down the pike and took complete control of it Mm. in a super creative and open way and started cooking classes and then writing poetry about her cooking. And it makes me want to go study cooking and like start to love it the way she really loves it. And it becomes this thing you share with people and like a communal gathering sort of thing.
0: But to invite it into her life when it was something that she deemed as I'm taking some liberties, but she deemed as the enemy. The idea of food is causing me harm. Yeah, yeah. So now I am going to immerse myself in it to understand yeah. all of the intricacies about food. Take whatever little oh, control I
1: can take. Gosh. Yeah.
0: Well and I think sometimes those
1: those uh, fears creep up on us and take over without us being understanding that they're taking over and then all of a yeah. sudden it becomes like a quirk or a trait. It takes a lot of self-awareness to catch it at a very early Stage like she did, yeah. and turn it into something so positive. I agree. Um, that's a lot of self awareness. Like
0: when I recognized in Michaela not only going to school to culinary school, but then to write poetry about it. I know to almost lift it up to an artistic form. That, that again, that is another step where you are like, who are you? Yeah. Where did you come from? <laughs> I I am always surprised by her. And I wish I wasn't. I should just be ready for whatever she tells me to to shock me and to make me feel like, well, of course, of course you did that. Of course you went to Greece and helped, you know, marginalized communities build homes, which she has. Of course you traveled half the world just to taste different spices. And of, of course you have, you know, and this is something, again, you would think you're talking to your Nana, who's 96. <laughs> (laughs) And yet, (laughs) it's this vibrant, gorgeous twenty-two-year-old. She's going to be a light force. force Oh, she she already
1: is a force. But you know how women sort of come into themselves a little later in life, you know. So
0: imagine Michaela when she's in that stage of life. She's going to rule the world. The ripples that she's creating and the impression that she makes in every room she is is causing a bit of a seismic shift on, Mm. on Broadway. Because I can speak to, you know, the pressures of leading a show and it's not an easy thing to, to shoulder. Even if you are a very cool cucumber, it affects your adrenals. It affects you physically and mentally and spiritually is it in because you
1: always have to be strong
0: and up and out yeah, there? Yeah, you, you certainly yeah. set the tone for any room that you're in. You feel a responsibility with how successful the show might be received. Mm. Um, I take on a mama hen. I want to make sure that the dynamics backstage are just as copacetic as the what we're doing on the stage. Um, and so it, that's exhausting. So It is exhausting. You're home
1: being a wife and a mother, and then you're at, uh, at work being a mama hen. It is,
0: it is exhausting. And then, you're,
1: and then you're giving the energy on stage as well that's as backstage. Right. So you're
0: just wiped out by the end. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that is part of, you know, taking one of the final bows is also understanding that there is a relationship going on with all different walks of life. And it's a really huge family. And sometimes you see these younger people that don't quite know how to take all that on because it's just part of the fabric of saying yes to a particular role or a particular project. It all comes with it. And you don't know until you know. Mm -hmm. And here is a young, I think an old spirit, but a young new body that knows already. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I go, where did you come from? How do you know this?
1: Yeah. You know? Why do you know it?
0: Why? And it's going to be
1: glorious to hear her sing those songs with Ben Platt. The quality of his voice and that vibrato that he has mixed with hers is going to be
0: incredible. I know. They're going to blow the roof off and they're going to blow the emotional roof off. So beautiful. All right, my friend. I love you. I love you. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Stages podcast is produced and edited by me, Mary Lee Fairbanks and Stephanie J. Block. Thank you to Alison Arns, our booking agent, Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer, and Tina Wargo, our social media manager.
0: Original music by Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy. Thank you for subscribing, following, rating, and telling others about this very special podcast. And we'll see you soon.